coined this phrase for our team called embrace the red, which says it's all about finding the points of red, not for the sense of blaming people, but really to figure out how do we get better. And so you create an environment that's not about blaming, but it's about problem solving. Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, how the VA is progressing on its digital transformation journey and why CIO Kurt Del Bene is cautiously optimistic about the future of the VA's EHR modernization program. It's Tuesday, August 22nd, 2023. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast where you'll hear the latest news and trends facing government leaders. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Billy Mitchell. Here's what's happening now. Key technology leaders at the White House's U.S. Digital Service, Office of Management and Budget, and the General Services Administration appear to not be on the same page, and that's caused massive delays and critical improvements to government websites that millions of Americans use every day, according to multiple current and former government IT officials. In an exclusive story on FedScoop, tech reporter Nahal Krishan details how the, quote, failure of senior leaders to prioritize digital experience projects, which are central to the Biden administration's federal technology agenda, have caused severe delays to implementation of the 21st Century IDEA Act, according to five current and former federal officials familiar with the matter. You can read more in the story on FedScoop, and Nahal will be joining me on Thursday's episode to further discuss the fallout from the lack of prioritization around bigger impact tech items by the administration's top tech teams. And FedScoop is continuing coverage around the ongoing developments around a federal court's decision to strike down use of presumed racial and ethnic disadvantage as a qualification for SBA's 8A program, throwing it into uncertainty. The latest in this developing story, the SBA has said it is requiring all 8A participants whose program eligibility is based upon one or more individuals who relied upon the presumption of social disadvantage to establish their individual social disadvantage by completing a social disadvantage narrative. The district court's ruling that started all of this in July came after the Supreme Court's recent decision striking down the use of race in college admissions through affirmative action. SBA has also previously announced a temporary pause on new applications for the 8A program in light of the injunction. You can read more about these stories and more at fedscoop.com. The Department of Veterans Affairs holds one of the largest IT budgets across the federal government. From major programs like its EHR modernization effort to the digital implementation of various benefits programs, the VA has one of the most important technology portfolios in the federal space. As CIO of the VA, Kurt Del Bene is responsible for leading that IT mission space and managing nearly 16,000 government and contractor staff who support healthcare and benefits delivery to the nation's millions of veterans. Del Bene joins the Daily Scoop to discuss what the VA has accomplished in digital transformation during his tenure, news around the department's new special pay authority for IT and cybersecurity personnel, his confidence in the future of the EHR modernization program, and how he's thinking about AI across the VA enterprise. Kurt, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I'm really looking forward to hearing about all the great work you're doing at the VA with digital transformation, IT, cybersecurity, and really everything in between. But let's start with that topic of digital transformation and the VA's 
digital transformation efforts. And I'm curious, just as a starting point for this conversation, to get some context into the things you've been working about, or working around in under that umbrella in recent months and years, what would you say the VA, VA has accomplished as a result of those efforts? And what do you think has been key to that? Well, it's a great question. I think the first thing to kind of set the stage, so to speak, is to just understand the vastness of the VA and our infrastructure. We're talking about uh, 2,000 locations, over 1,000 systems, um, over 700,000 desktops. So the complexity is huge, for both from a, you know just keeping that modern, keeping it pushing forward to meet stakeholder needs, but also from a cybersecurity perspective. And the first thing that I was really focused on when I arrived about 19 months ago is to make sure that we are anchored around clear visions for what we're trying to do in our investment areas. I think so often in such a diverse place, you can get um, kind of whipsawed by all these different demands come across your the transom and you're like, how do I prioritize these? And you have to have a holistic way of looking at it. And so we've really focused on in each of the portfolio areas, what are the key to, uh, um, elements of those visions? And then how do we create connected roadmaps that really go towards delivering the vision? And then how do we have clear metrics of success? We are a very OKR-based um, shop where we define objectives and key results on a semester basis that are measurable and that we know hit go align towards the vision and the roadmaps. And um, we have those within each of the teams. And then we roll them up to the overall enterprise level. So we get these, you know, these are the key things we're trying to drive across the organization. And so when I came, I was really focused on four things overall. I was focused on this notion of have, as I just described, visions connected to roadmaps, metrics of success. Um, the second thing is around operational rigor. Any place that's this complex with a lot of systems, many of them which are our um, our older systems, we really got to get into this iterative rigor around understanding where the issues are, figuring out what, what we need to do to fix them, and to just turn the crank over and over again. So we meet every morning um, to go through any incident that's happened in the 24, last 24 hours to get to root cause analysis, to figure out exactly what we're going to do to improve it, to find which systems are perennially a problem and get towards a modernization or a resiliency plan for those um, and really do it over and over and over again. And what's important there also is to do that in a, I've kind of uh, um, coined this phrase for our team called embrace the red, which says it's all about finding the points of red, not for the sense of blaming people, but really to figure out how do we get better. And so you create an environment that's not about blaming, but it's about problem solving. So that's the second thing around operational rigor. The third is around creating delightful end user experiences. You know, we have something like 1.6 million users of our mobile app. It gets a 4.7 on the um, on the in the marketplace, and that's becoming the way that plus va.gov, the website, are becoming the experience that veterans have interacting uh, with VA. And so we want that to be a delightful experience. There's an expectation that's set in the marketplace based on commercial experiences and consumer experiences, we need to match that so people are happy and can get the information and the services that they need. And then the fourth thing is all about um, people excellence, um, making the deal of coming to the VA great, um, making sure that people have uh, competitive pay, making sure that they uh, have career paths, making sure that this is a diverse environment where people can do their best work. And so those are kind of the things that I've standard or kind of driven across the organization, really focused my energy on. 
happy to go into details like specific plans or specific, excuse me, specific places we're making progress, but that's kind of the overarching umbrella into which it all fits. I think that's great for the purpose of the podcast. And I think um, the one thing I'll, I'll maybe editorialize from that is it sounds like it's a lot of culture-driven change that you're really focused on making lasting impact from driving culture that will set you up for success down the line. It really is. And I am, I'm very passionate about what's the transformation that has to happen in IT, not just in the federal government, but in the commercial space as well. My last role, uh, my previous employer, um, was running our internal systems and our internal business operations. And the observation that I made there, and it's a little bit like if you've got a hammer, everything's a nail, but I'm, I'm continually reminded how accurate it is and how well it fits, is the IT organization, it's just like a product group. It's just like a software and services product group. You have a set of stakeholders. You have a vision you're del that del delivers on the needs of those stakeholders. You have execution excellence. Um, and you measure yourself and you get better and better all the time. And so that culture change has to actually come from thinking, I am creating a product delivered to and through my stakeholders to the end users as well. And what does that say about what my focus should be? What does it say about my operational rigor and how, how highly reliable it needs to be? What the user experience has to be, et cetera. And again, I'll just stress, I don't think that's a transformation just within the federal government. That's a transformation that IT shops need to think about much more broadly. And sort of sticking with the, the, the news, and you mentioned it in your initial statement, was that, that IT workforce and that competitive pay, something we don't see a lot in the federal government. Um, tell me a little bit, I know you've been talking with other uh, media outlets recently about this because it's a big deal, but tell me why you decided to go in that direction and why it's so important to you know give that sort of enhanced pay authority to bring talent to the VA? Well, this is an organization, as all IT shops are, where the quality of your people determines the quality of the outcome. And, you know, we looked at what the pay looked like for uh, OIT, the, the IT organization within the VA, and there were just significant differences. And I don't know how you can attract the best talent if you don't, if, quote unquote, the deal overall isn't competitive with what people will see elsewise. And so what we did is we did a survey for the level, for the skill levels in that whole curve, what our pay looked like and what does the average pay in industry look like. Um, through the PACT Act, we had the, the ability to actually do a special salary rate, which we could define what that curve should look like for the VA. And we just got that implemented uh, last month. And it causes a, a fairly significant increase in the pay that we have, about 17% on average. And so we've really moved things up to be much more competitive. Now, it's all about the value proposition overall. So pay is one piece of it. Another piece of it is, do, can I enter my career here? Can I move up in a very clear way to build my skills and build my capabilities for that next job I get? You know, I think it's a win if we, if we take, particularly since half of our team is veterans, if we can put people elsewhere in the federal government or even the commercial sector at having a more fulfilling uh, next experience, um, and move them along their career. I'd love to keep them in the VA, but I think it's a success either way. And so the second thing is about building people's careers. And then the third thing is just having an environment where people can do their best work. Um, the mission in particular for people who join, join OIT is incredibly compelling to serve veterans who served our country. And so I got that going for us. We got that going for us as well. So it's all about the package overall and SSR, the special salary fits into that. 
I would imagine maybe it's too soon to say, but have you seen, you know, an uptick in applicants or, or how is, um, you know, how has the workforce responded, I guess, to such a measure or is it too, too early at this point to kind of make a judgment on that? It's, it's not too early. We've got record numbers of people applying for jobs. We have a significant number of positions where we are trying to fill, but applications are, are moving up. And the other thing is the thing that's been most gratifying to me is the number of people who've reached out and said, you don't realize how significant a difference this makes in my life and in my family's life for this to come through. And just the thanks that we've had um, for just recognizing this, this gap and, and doing something proactive to fill it. Um, it's also, you know, I think you can break the notions of how long it takes to get something done in the federal government. Uh, when I arrived and talking to direct uh, the leaders uh, of the team, there were some issues they wanted to wrestle and we just took them on. So this notion of setting a vision was one of them and having uh, these four pillars of what our execution will, will look like. Another one is we reorged the team in the first three months basically saw that there were too le many levels in the hierarchy and we flattened the organization out, which is how modern um, development teams typically run. And so I think there's this amount, uh, this, this notion that, that gets kind of balkanized in the organization that's going to take a while to do things. I think we've been able to move pretty quickly, um, which I'm really proud of with the whole team. That's great. And that's really exciting to see that, uh, that's coming to life and hopefully more agencies will will sort of take the lead as they see the the results of what the VA has done. Um, I'm curious, you know, the, the EHR modernization program gets a lot of coverage and there's been some major changes recently. So um, give, given a, what you've kind of told me so far in terms of digital transformation and some of the workforce um, success that you've had, you know, how are optimistic are you that and confident are you about the department's ability to kind of move that in the right direction? Now, obviously, this is something that's been going on for decades and sort of far comes before you, you've been on board. But now that some of these changes with the contract have been made, um, do you see that, you know, are you optimistic that that's headed in the right direction? Uh, I guess I'd say I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, I think the the road that we have taken so far, um, I would think it was pretty aggressive to just go out there and deploy along the original schedule we had. And we've learned a ton from the five sites that we've deployed to. And, and that, that crosses over functional capabilities of how it gets delivered to caregivers, but also the, um, the resiliency and reliability of, of the system itself. And so I feel good about the fact that we have taken a pause, that we have very concrete requirements a number of them are actually put into the update to the contract. So we now have lots and lots of, of SLA or service level agreement uh, dimensions that are actually spelled out with penalties. You know, I coming from the commercial world, I looked at it from the vantage point. If we were the recipient of this contract, how would I feel about the level, you know, the difficulty of meeting these expectations and how much I'm being held accountable? And I feel very good. Um, we took all dimensions of the ex of the performance of the system. At the same time, it is very, as you note, it's really complex to change your healthcare health record system. Um, I think we are we've done the right thing in getting to the pause, getting the criteria to launch again. And I am optimistic. One of the things is DoD is almost done with their implementation. I think that's a signal that that we can make it work. But there's been a certain uniqueness and variability of the way healthcare is delivered in the VA. And we've had to do more customizations to actually just facilitate how physicians and caregivers work in the VA. 
I think we're getting further along and I think that's going better, but you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna uh, start or resume from the pause until we feel good about where we're going next. That's great to hear. Um, you know, I have to ask about AI, just given that it's it seems to be the the summer of AI. It's on everyone's minds uh, lately with generative AI and everything exploding, even in the commercial world uh, or in the consumer sense. But how are you considering AI as part of your IT enterprise? I know you have the National AI Center that the VA has stood up, um, yep. but talk to me about your mindset when it comes to using AI for the services that you deliver. Well, I think... While generative AI has really become the buzzword, I mean, if you're a startup, if you don't have a generative AI strategy, you're not you're you got you're scurrying around trying to figure out one. Um, I think AI as it exists is both transformative and it's a path along a longer continuum that starts with, you know, clever algorithms to machine learning to um, you know, image recognition we've been working on for a long period of time in the industry, all the way to this next breakthrough of large language models. I think we will see solutions across that entire spe spectrum. So for instance, within the benefit space, we're just working on algorithms to, auto to automate the adjudication of a claim, which is really al more algorithmic. Um, there are other places we're, we're doing, as I said, a lot of image recognition work around, you know, just reading radiology exams and, or, or uh, images and figuring out or kind of presenting the physician, you know, this is what this spot may suggest to you, but you're going to be the one who does that analysis. All the way up to um, more advanced AI algorithms, you can imagine, for instance, the ability to have an agent that listens in on a consult, obviously with permission, uh, with a physician or with a physician and their um, their patient, and then auto summarizes what what the outcome was in the whole narrative, as so that the physician can spend more of his or her time actually attending to the needs of their patients and less time writing things up. So I think we'll see a spectrum from the more algorithmic all the way up to things that leverage large language models. I will, at the same time, we are just as concerned about the ethical and effective use of AI. And so we are standing up and very aggressively um, a governance model that says we need to, one, we need to identify the various places that AI is actually being either acquired or developed internally. We need to make sure that the principles um, and the White House and federal government has been, um, as you know, working on a set of core principles and what it means to be observant of those core principles. And we need to take everything we acquire, everything we build internally, and put it up against those criteria um, to make sure that they're compliant. And so just capturing all those things to get them through the governance process is a challenge in a place as diverse as the VA. And I guess just as a quick follow-up, I mean, you spent a lot of time on the commercial side, and I'm curious, just uh, riffing a little bit, how would, you know, how how do you, how do you have to think about AI differently as the CAO of, you know, the pretty much the biggest department within the federal government versus how you would say back when you were at Microsoft? Oh my gosh, it's very, very different. And a little bit of the same. So the, the thing that's core is you're thinking about how the technology can transform the user experience and transform the productivity of the end user. So that is the common thing. And from the commercial sector, we're looking at the products that we have and we're figuring out how can this cause a game change or a sea change and drive a bunch of additional demand. Here, we're trying to figure out where are the places that technology can be used and actually transform the delivery of healthcare or delivery of benefits 
or survivor benefits to veterans and their families. And so that part of it's different. I think the other thing that's common um, across the two, but with a little different inflection, is we knew in the commercial sector, we need to deliver something that meets the customer's requirements around things like effectiveness and, and compliance, et cetera. Here, it's about defining a set of filters and compliance um, regimes that we can pass through a ton of different um, uh, of vendor relationships and internal developments. And the other thing is like, what questions do you ask a vendor? How do you get to the fact that, and we have to have standardized ways, so like FATAR review, which you know, everything that has IT content goes through a review. I see it if it's a, a bigger spend or people in my team see it if it's a smaller one. How do you ask people about AI compliance? How do you assure that they have done, that they're meeting those ethical principles? So you have to think about scale uh, mechanisms on the, guide, on the um, governance front that you can actually scale out to all your vendors and then how do you do oversight to make sure they're actually complying? Very, very complex, slightly different, but there are a lot, there's a lot of commonality across the two. That makes sense. So Curtis, we close out here, final question. You've mentioned customer experience, user experience uh, as sort of a core element a couple of times throughout this conversation. And um, that's easier said than done. It's hard to deliver on that. So I'm curious, you know, as you make that essential part of one of those four sort of um, core missions that you mentioned in the intro uh, in, introductory question. Um, how are you delivering on that? You know, I know that the the VA has a an experience officer that sort of works in that arena, but are you working in tandem, or how are you making sure that you sort of have the user at the core of everything you're doing? Yeah, we definitely work with the uh, the veterans experience officer and and his team in everything we do. So it's all about you know, coordinating what are the experiences we're delivering, how do they see the veteran's journey or roadmap and making sure those mesh. There's a few things that we're really pushing forward overall. One, people want a central, at least in terms of their digital experience, they want a central front door to accessing veteran experiences. And they want that, they have an expectation that that is a consumer quality experience. And so we're driving va.gov and uh, the mobile app, which has 1.6 million downloads. It's actually, and as I said, very high acceptance rates or, or actually um, favorable uh, uh, votes. Um, and we're really driving that to be the front door and the experience, that, the universal experience that has consistency as well. So the people, you know, I, we talked in the commercial space about, of course, you're going to do training. Of course, you're going to do manuals as to how to use this product. A great product indicates to the user how it should be used. And it's intuitive enough that you can kind of do the self-guided tour. And we want that to be the experience that we provide to veterans as well. Um, and so having that be great. Actually, the other thing that's really critical is standardizing on platforms like VA.gov and mobile experience so that we can make them 508 compliance for accessibility as well. We have really amped up our compliance regime around 508 compliance because veterans of all abilities should be able to access those services. And by having consistency in the architecture, it enables you to do that in a more effective way. Well, Kurt, it's been fantastic chatting with you and learning about everything that you're working on. Uh, really appreciate your time and uh, wish you the best of luck as you go forward with uh, working on these uh, key priorities. Thanks a lot, Billy. I appreciate your time as well. You can learn more about the VA's digital transformation at thedailyscooppodcast.com. 
The Daily Scoop podcast is available on all podcast platforms. If you've already rated the podcast on your platform of choice, thanks so much. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people to find it. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. Adam Butler and Carlin Fisher help put the show together and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. We'll be back on Thursday with a brand new episode. Until then, I'm your host, Billy Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening.